I am Sarah Grady Ackerman, and I'm a, the director of marriage programs at Live the Life. And I am so excited because we have some wonderful guests today, and we're going to be talking about a really, really important topic that you don't get to hear about very often. So I want to welcome Pastor Kurt Whitfield and his lovely wife, Suzanne, to the program. <laughs> Good Thank to be you here. Yeah. yeah, thanks for having us. So we're talking about pastor burnout and self-care yes mm-hmm. right and before we get into all of that i just want to backtrack a little bit and uh tell me about uh just tell me about you all where you're from your family all that good stuff well we're from perry florida born and raised and uh we've been there pretty much our whole lives except for college yes. and um we got two kids two yes. little girls 13 and 9 Karis and Raylan. Yep. and um yeah. We're homeschooling this year. So oh, that's a new path for yeah. us. And wow. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. yeah. So she's a teacher. Again. I'm a teacher. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, hey, I give it that major props because I have, I used to do uh, where I did homeschooling two days a week. Literally yesterday, I was talking to one of my kids about it. And oh. I said, at school, you guys were so good. And then those two days at home, I'd put their books out. I'd be so proud of myself. And they would just drag <laughs> themselves to the table. Yeah. So, yeah, those yes. Well, good for you, though. Um, so life is good. Everything's good. Um, mm-hmm. But there was a time when life was pretty chaotic, right? right? So yes. um, take us just back a few years to where you were in life. Well, we were we got married in 2007, mm-hmm. and I started uh, working at a church plant not long before that um, in, in Perry. And we were there almost, well, for 12 years, um, I was the lead pastor there. And um, so started with like 30 people Mm -hmm. Um, after about 10 years, we were in the hundreds of people, got up to 600 or so on, you know, Easter Sunday is big Sunday, Mm -hmm. but um, had 12 employees. Uh, So it was a long process that 12 years was a long 12 years of uh, building a church. And, but uh, as we continued to grow, problems continued to grow with it. Of course. Yeah. And I was getting more and more stressed out. Um, it was, you know, every year was a whole nother set of challenges, a whole new set of people. And anyway, uh, so over time, I got really tired and exhausted. And about the last three years of that 12 years, uh, I was just angry. Mm-hmm. I was angry, really angry with God that I'm working so hard at this yeah. and all I have is more problems. Right. You know, the as the song goes, more money, more problems, <laughs> more people, more problems <laughs> for us. Um, and, you know, our church was very, you know, we were the largest church in town at the time. Mm-hmm. And we had a lot of ministries in the community. And so there was a lot going on. And uh, I felt like it was all on me. Right. Like all of this has, I have to get this done, you know. So anyway, um, through a long chain of events, I just burn out. But I didn't tell anybody mm. um, because, you know, you're the pastor. You got to have it all together. And mm-hmm. um, there were probably a few close friends that knew I wasn't well, but I could put on a good show. You know, so um, I kind of kept that to myself mostly. Um, but 
it it all blew up in 2019 mm-hmm. and uh almost lost my wife and my family mm-hmm. and i resigned from the church um because i i was just in a place where this is not for me right now i got to get out you know at least for a while i thought i was getting out forever mm-hmm. um and uh so yeah it it was a pretty big tragedy at the time yeah and um but we found live the life yeah. <laughs> so. yeah, absolutely. And we, we'll we'll talk uh, a little later about what an impact the life had on not just your marriage, but your family and your church. Uh, but Suzanne, so well, let me read these stats before I ask you this question, because uh, we've got some great stats from a book called Pastors at Greater Risk by H.B. London and Neil Wiseman. Mm-hmm. I read these first two stats. It says 23% of pastors have been fired or pressured to resign. Wow. At some point, 33% of pastors felt burnout in their first five years. And you went 12, right? And you were saying mm-hmm. within the last few years, so you were very burned out. If I was honest, I would say in the, the first five years were really hard too. Mm. Um, you know, most, most church plants don't like five years is, yeah. you know, most of them are done by mm-hmm. then. They don't work out. Um so we we kind of pushed through it, but but uh, yeah, it was. I could totally believe that thirty three. I would have thought it was higher, honestly, right? Right. Because it's the first five years are really hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I imagine it's not just hard on the pastor, but it's it's hard on the pastor's wife. Yes. Yes. You feel like you're in a fishbowl because everyone sees everything. Um, it's hard to be truthful and honest because you want to put on a good face. And you want to make sure everything looks right and looks good, but you also need to be vulnerable with somebody. And it's hard to find those people who you can really trust and confide in. Um, So, yeah, absolutely hard. And it's hard to watch your husband, too, be under the stress. And then if there's a problem within the marriage, it's hard to come to them with another problem and load that on them again. So you kind of want to bottle it all up Mm. and just... Hope it, you know, hope you can ride the storm. Yeah, because um, that makes me think, I do see on here that says 70% of pastors don't have close friends. Mm -hmm. 55 or 56% of pastors' wives say they have no close friends. Mm -hmm. So in your greatest time of need or when you're experiencing all these things, who do you go to? Right. Yeah. That's a great question. (laughs) That's a great question. Because also with who you go to. Like for the wife, from the wife's standpoint, if you present problems or some struggles, that puts a different light on him if they are, if those people, those friends are a part of your church. So That's you don't right. want to skew the look or, you know, their perception it, of their pastor. Right. So it's, it's a sticky, tough situation for sure. Yeah. And I, I had close friends on my staff. They, I considered them my best friends, um, but I'm their boss. Mm. So, there were times where I would share like we were not doing well, but how do you tell your boss? Well, this is what you need to go do mm-hmm. because that's your boss, right? You know, and I didn't realize that dynamic in the moment. I didn't realize this till later. But mm-hmm. th- there were times where I thought, why didn't they push harder for me to go go get help? And it's like, why was their boss? How do they even? How can you do that? Right. Um, but and then I had close friends that didn't go to our church that I would go out on the boat with. So I had some friends, but, you know, it was just, there was a limited, limited amount of what you could share and 
yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, I've I've worked at a couple of churches over the years, and I have I've seen that firsthand. And my heart always goes out to the pastor and the and the first lady <laughs> because um, you know I've I've had one pastor tell me uh, I've had people leave the church that were close friends, but. They felt like they saw too much behind the curtain. I thought I could trust them, but I pull back the curtain and then they see not perfect. Right. And some congregation members don't know how to deal with that. Yeah. Right. Which I think is a big part of the problem is we, our our pastors aren't allowed to be humans (laughs) anymore. And uh, that's a serious problem. I mean, because the first thing you learn, well, they have this struggle. Well, they must not be a good enough pastor. So you mm-hmm. leave and you go to somebody else's church and you don't think about what you just did to that family. Yeah. Because they thought they were close with you and you just jump and run. Right. You know? Right. So there's, you know, in that 12 year span, there were a lot of moments where somebody left and we had no idea why or somebody didn't leave the church, but they stopped being our friends. Right. And we had no idea what happened. Mm-hmm. You know, why is that? Why don't, aren't we having dinner with them mm. every other week like we used to? Mm-hmm. You know, so there were little things like that that most people don't realize what that does to a pastor and their family. Yeah. They're already isolated. Yeah. That, know? that church hurt, you know, yeah. term that you hear that goes both ways, doesn't it? Yes. yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. But I don't think people realize that. No. No, they don't. I don't think it's something that happens on purpose. Yeah. I think it's the, the system itself, the way our church system is designed, mm-hmm. um, it's just the way that's how it plays out. Yeah. And nobody really realizes it until there's some big tragedy. And that's like, well, maybe we did something wrong here, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The stats, I mean, that we were seeing really do show what a problem it is. And that's part of the reason I wanted to have you all uh, on here today so we could really put this out there and say, you know, this, this really is a problem. Um, it says 80%, this is huge. 80% of pastors believe that their ministry affects their families negatively. 80%, yeah. 45% of pastors' wives say the greatest danger to them and their family is physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual burnout. Yeah. I mean, think of what, well, you all know, you right. don't have to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. You can get so yeah. wrapped up in things that are good within the church, your ministries that are good and the busyness of the church, and you kind of lose sight of mm-hmm. each other. You leave, lose each other. Right. Um, that relationship yep. isn't there. You turn into more like roommates mm-hmm. um, just going to church all yep. the time together. So we're good. You putting know. on the face. <laughs> right. Putting on the, the blessed and highly favored Absolutely. face that yeah. we, we call it. Um, yeah. So a little bit about your story. So you you stepped away. And you all had a time of healing and restoration that had to happen. Right. Yep. You know, um, I came to the elders of the church, which at that time they were called the leadership team. And I told them, like, here's what's going on in my life. And I quit mm. because I'm in a, I'm a mess and I'm not any good to anybody else right now. I need to go work on me. And um, so I resigned and we were. We didn't know what we were going to do. Yeah. Uh, fortunately, I had sent couples to live the life over that 12-year span. Mm-hmm. I never went myself, but <laughs> right. I sent everybody else. And everyone I sent there came back still happily married, and their marriage was mm-hmm. better. Everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, so I knew, like, well, I guess that's who we need to call. Mm-hmm. And we had called, uh, or she had called um, some other group. 
and we did a, a video chat with them, and that went very bad. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't in a good place at the time right. either, but um, it's probably not their fault at all. <laughs> um, but uh, so that didn't work out. So we decided we would go to live the life and just see what we needed to do. And um, and that was like the and that was, that was what two week two weeks in I re- resigned and within two weeks we were uh, we were at live the life and things were getting a whole lot better really fast wow and it was a lot of work it was hard work yeah. but that made a huge huge difference it was something I wish we would have had oh, that we yeah. would have taken advantage of. Year one of our marriage, right before that's before usually we were what, married, we, yeah. what we hear for people mm-hmm. from people, and what you said was so key because you said I'd sent lots of people mm-hmm. there, but we, you know we hadn't gone ourselves, right. and I think that's right. very common with pastors, right? Well, and I would say that my excuse back then would have been I don't have time because mm. I've got twelve employees and I've got Sundays coming and. There's videos to shoot for baptisms, and there's, I mean, I could have given, given you a of list course. of a hundred things. Mm-hmm. Um, I, matter of fact, I sat down with one of my staff members back then and was trying to help them prioritize their time, you know, because I'm so great at that. <laughs> um, and just that staff member had 75 things on their list that we had to go through and prioritize. Oh, 75 things. So, um, yeah, I would. I would have just said, "Well, I'm, I'm too busy to take a weekend off to go do a hope weekend or or whatever." Um, but you know, after you resign and that part of your life you think is over, uh, you got plenty of time. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So we did a two two day intensive to start out, mm-hmm. and within the first hour. Yeah. I knew like, oh my gosh, we're gonna fix this. Oh my goodness. Um, wow. because the first. You know, exercise that that we did was a communication thing, and in our our, our marriage, uh, I'm I'm the talker, and she's the she bottles it up and mm-hmm. thinks about it. You know, and um, so that was our biggest problem. I don't know how to talk to her, and she doesn't know how to talk to me. Because when she tries to talk to me, she gets emotional and cries, and then she hardly ever cries. So I think like, oh, this is some major problem. <laughs> right. I'm some major moron <laughs> apparently you know and um so that that first exercise where she had to sit and tell me how she felt mm. um which should have been the hardest thing to hear because of all i had done um i was smiling the whole time because it was like this finally is what i was looking for like our whole marriage mm. as i've been trying to figure out what you're thinking how you feel and um what was so, that moment like for you to feel the the freedom and the safety to be able to share? It. it was the safety and having a tool that helped me get those words out of my head and out of my mouth and out of my heart. Um, yeah, it was just a safe place to be heard. Yeah, because yeah. what we find is uh, that just really most couples don't know how to be married and the way they communicate and solve conflict right. and be able to share uh, we, we say, you know, safety or structure equals safety. And that's why so much of what we teach is via those skills because right. it's practical. You can you can follow it and it yep. Cre- yep. creates that safe place. Yeah. Yeah. Because a lot of times we don't know what to talk about. And those these, you know, cards that you guys gave us was just walks you right through. 
And it, I mean, it's, it's so much easier because it tells you, okay, ask this question or mm -hmm. this is the topic you start with. Mm -hmm. And if there's nothing for that one, then just skip it and move on to the right. next one, you know. It makes a huge difference. Right. And and we also teach how to respond as the listener, because sometimes as the listener, uh, we can ruin everything. Right. We can make facial expressions or we can interrupt or yeah. try to fix it or what have you. And I, I imagine that uh, my husband likes to refer to it as uh, in our marriage, uh, Mr. Fix-It and Emotional Hoarder. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> so when yep. when he's not fixing it, uh -huh. I'm sure that that is like, oh, wow, this is right. opening up a space for me to, yes, to exactly. talk. Yeah. Sure. So you all you know, went through, uh, lived the life and the intensive and really got your marriage back on track. Mm -hmm. How was this for your girls? Well, I don't believe our girls really knew um, that we weren't communicating like we should. Mm -hmm. But there was still a sense of stress in the house all the time. Like we were never yellers and we no. never got into huge arguments. No. It never got in an argument in front of them, but still there was some tension. Yeah. There was some tension there. Well, and I was I would say that I was not a father during that twelve years. Mm. I think when they were first born, I was for the first few years, I was trying to be a really good dad. I wanted to be a yeah. really good dad. But Every time, it's kind of interesting, every time we would have a child, there was also a major problem in the church at mm. that exact time. Wow. Both, both times when we had our kids. Mm -hmm. It was either somebody really close to us, their marriage blew up, and they were getting divorced, and we couldn't get them to work on it. And it was, you know, we felt like we were failing them, or at least I did. And... um so, but even through all that, like, I'm going to be a good dad because in my mind, I want to be like the best husband, the best dad. Of course. I had great parents, so I wanted to be like them. And, uh, but as the church continued to take off, um, I got more and more stressed out. I was more and more absent. So I still came home every evening, but I would be sitting there thinking about, Oh, I've got this major thing going to happen tomorrow. Or this meeting with this person that's going to be rough, and mm -hmm. this this couple's got this problem, and you know, yeah. and <laughs> there was one year when like six church members got arrested on oh the front goodness. page of the paper, and it was like, what is happening right now? <laughs> so you're like <laughs> you a know. first responder out there trying to put out these. Fires. Yeah, I felt like a firefighter all the time, yeah. and because of that, I was just quiet. And borderline, like agitated all the time mm -hmm. at home. So, you know, when your kids are little, it, <laughs> if you're not a very patient person, it's easy to get aggravated with them oh, already because yeah. they're, you know, they're, they're trying to die all the time. <laughs> they're like doing stuff that can kill <laughs> yes. them, all the time, you know, uh, or they're just making noise or whatever. And because I was already so mad mm -hmm. on the inside, I would, you know, snap at them. I, mean, I didn't scream at my kids and stuff yeah. like that, but. Um, I just wasn't really there. Mm. I was there, but I Shut wasn't. Yeah, yeah. Do you think that a lot of pastors, I, I, if I heard you correctly, you thought you were present and being a good dad, but at the same time, now looking back, you're like, I no, that wasn't the case. You think that's something that a lot of pastors, maybe that's a blind spot for them. I had no idea I was a bad father until after the fact when our marriage was healed and, and going in the right direction, I realized this new person that I am, that I actually 
like being at home. I like being with my family. I like playing with my kids and stuff like that. And they're like learning stuff, music and all that, which I'm really into. So like I, I enjoy being a dad now. Mm -hmm. So now I can see the difference of how it was back then. So I I think that's true. It's a blind spot. Mm -hmm. I mean, you just don't realize with your kids and especially your wife. Yeah. Um, ministry's hard with your, you know, marriage back on track, you know, the family atmosphere is good. Uh, you decided to found is that the right word that sounded funny when i said yeah yeah okay <laughs> yeah. you decided to found a church another church so kind of yeah. tell us about that because i this is this is where it gets really extra good yeah yeah so we um in 2020 you know every all the churches were shut down oh yeah and uh we had a group of people we were rebels you know we're still going to meet together and, you know <laughs> <laughs> so we broke some rules you know the isolation whatever so but um there were a group of people that i had been uh over the previous year not only were we working on our marriage but i just i, I was unemployed so i just opened the bible one day because i was so stressed out mm-hmm. about not working mm-hmm. i was like well apparently you know, I failed really big, so I missed some things in this book. <laughs> so uh, I started over uh, and just started relearning scripture again mm. and taking some classes online and things like that. And I was learning so much that uh, I would share it with different people. And they would be like, man, it'd be so good if we had like a small group where, you know, we could talk about these yeah. things. So that's really how it started. We were just a Sunday night small group. And trying to get, you know, make it through the pandemic and still try to be Christian, you know. (laughs) And, um, but that kept going for a while. And then people, the people in the group said, well, you know, Easter's coming up. Are we going to like gather for worship Mm -hmm. for Easter? And I was like, well, I wasn't really, this is just a Bible study kind of thing, you know. But, um, we met, uh, in 2021, Easter Sunday and, uh, it went really well, and everybody was like, "All right, see you next Sunday morning." And I was like, "Okay." <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, we really did feel like that's what where we were headed. We just didn't want to force it, you know. Yeah. Uh, and we did not want to go back to the way things were. Yeah. Um, so really, our our little study focused early on. We focused on studying the ancient church Mm -hmm. and how different it was from how we're doing it here in America today. Mm -hmm. And coming out of our story into that study, I think everybody really latched onto the idea that we don't have to do church the way everybody says we do. Mm. We actually could try to be the Acts 2 type of church, which I know I would have said that about every ministry ever did. Oh, we're Acts 2, you know. Um, (laughs) But like really being focused and saying, we're only going to do this. Okay. We're not going to try to do everything else. And, um, and it just has been awesome. Yeah. What yeah. were your thoughts as this started to, you could see it building and, yes, it, you know, very um, standoffish, anxious about it, because like you said, I didn't want to go back into the stress and the busy and the, the whole big church. Um setting again but knowing how it started um and really focusing on 
we're only going to do these things. We're not going to do 12, 15 different things. Mm -hmm. Um, We're not going to be pulled in all of these different directions. We're going to keep it simple. That helped a lot. (laughs) I have spent uh, a a weekend with your church and your members, Mm -hmm. and they're just so supportive Mm -hmm. and sweet. I imagine that at the beginning, you must have kind of laid the ground rules. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) For boundaries. There were many conversations about how we think of the term pastor today. Mm. And, and I mean, honestly, that word pastor, it comes from a Greek word that means shepherd. Um, It's the the role pastor is only mentioned once or twice in the New Testament. Mm. You know, there's apostles and prophets and elders and overseers and all that. And pastor is like, you barely see anything about it. Mm -hmm. You know, and I started studying the ancient church and it was like, you know, if you read First Corinthians, you can't figure out who the pastor is Mm -hmm. because it doesn't tell you. Mm -hmm. And if you read Ephesians, it doesn't say anything about their pastor. So there was no big focus on the pastor. Mm. So that was something we talked about a lot with our little group was like, hey, it's not supposed to be about the pastor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Like he's supposed the the pastor guy. <laughs> and there's there doesn't have to be just one of those. Mm-hmm. You know, there could be a group of them. How do you not fall into that trap though? You know what I mean? Because you're coming in, you're excited, and you I mean I think, you know, most pastors are visionaries and you're thinking, oh, we could we we need to do this and oh, we gotta get that taken care of. How did you kind of I mean, did you keep him in check or? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Our counseling sessions involved a lot of that, especially mm-hmm. after because we can we continued counseling um, for at least two years. Um, yeah. yeah we once a it. month or so. And that was a big topic every time. Like, OK, are we doing <laughs> are we keeping it in check? Are we mm-hmm. staying within the boundaries that we set for this? So. Yeah. So some of the things we do to guard that is uh, our people, our closest people that have been with us the whole time, mm-hmm. um, they help guard that. Mm. So um, just some simple things like there are a few guys that if after a service, a female person at church comes up and talks to me and no one else is standing there with me, mm-hmm. their job is to come stand with me. Mm. And if the person says, well, I only want to talk to you. Well, that's not how we do it here. Got it. Um, there's just guardrails we have to have. And, mo- and most people know our story. I mean, yeah. we're a small town. Almost everybody knows some version of it, at least. Right. <laughs> um, but our people know the details of mm-hmm. our story. And then we've been completely transparent. Um, so they understand, like, they need us to help them guard this. Mm. So, um, and... You're talking about the visionary thing. I'm a visionary. I like to build things from the ground up. I enjoy that. But when you've when you've done all of that and saw how miserable it made you mm. when it was really successful, successful um, on the other end, at least you should go. Maybe I shouldn't be trying to build this thing like a business, right. like a successful organization. Mm-hmm. You know, so for me, it's not about numbers and growth in the traditional sense of it. For me, the the point is, did that family go to the marriage stuff we had? Mm. And how did it affect them? Uh, are these people more faithful to Jesus than they were when we first met them? Mm-hmm. It's more about that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
like for example, the the uh, paper mill in our town mm-hmm. is shutting down, right? Which is a huge problem. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I have three guys uh, in my church that have worked out there for quite a while, mm-hmm. made a really good living. All three of them said they have been praying for God to give them a job where they can be home with their families because they mm-hmm. work shift work, mm-hmm. and it's you know shift work. So. Um, so that to me, that success. Yeah. Here, here's three guys who, even though they make more money than most people in our town, they were praying for something different because they missed their families. Wow. They want to be good dads and good mm-hmm. husbands, and um, that success now, mm-hmm. not how many people should. I, I can't tell you how many people are at our church Sunday. Nobody counts, yeah. and if somebody counts, I tell them not to tell me. <laughs> Because if you tell me and then next week you tell me a lower number, right. there's something in my brain that's going to go, I wonder what's mm-hmm. wrong. It's like stepping yeah. on the scale to see how much right. you weigh. Like, oh, man. <laughs> yep. So what I'm hearing is there's a greater focus on relationships. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. The early church was devoted to four things. Teaching. This is Acts 2.42. Mm-hmm. Teaching, which means everyone who went to church in the first century understood that they were students. Mm-hmm. They weren't coming to be entertained by something. Mm. They were they they were coming with the expectation that we're going to have to think mm-hmm. and we're going to be expected to learn. So they were devoted to teaching. And then our English Bibles say they were devoted to the fellowship. Mm. And the, the Greek word koinonia doesn't mean fellowship the way we mean it. Uh-huh. Like we mean it in our churches, in our uh, little country town, that means fried chicken and tater salad. Yes. Right? <laughs> Which is not a bad thing. Um, no, it's, <laughs> it, it's, it's certainly part of koinonia <laughs> fellowship. Um, but what it meant in the New Testament was sharing. Yeah. So they would share their resources, responsibility, mm. uh, and accountability. So what it meant was... Uh, and, and Luke tells us in Acts a couple chapters later that there was no one in need in that church. Wow. And there were thousands mm-hmm. in that church. Nobody was in need uh, because they shared everything they had with each other and they shared responsibility of the church. It wasn't all on. And you, and you see it with the apostles. That's why the, the whole deacon thing started. Yeah. It's like, hey, we've got to study and mm-hmm. and teach. We can't do everything. Mm-hmm. So our church uh, has, a, has adopted that. So, so it's the teaching. I said there were four. I only told you two. Uh, they're teaching the, the sharing of everything and then uh, the breaking of bread, which most scholars that I've read behind say that really refers to having communal mm-hmm. meals, communion yeah. at a meal. Um, so they were devoted to, to Christ mm-hmm. every, every time they gathered. Uh, and then to the prayers is what it says. And if you study out the book of Acts, it's where they gathered to pray together, but also sing prayers they would, mm-hmm. from the Psalms mm-hmm. things like, and the Lord's Prayer. Um, so it's, it's teaching, sharing, relational sharing, uh, communion and worship. Yeah. And we've told our people and we tell them over and over again, like that, those four, that's it. Mm-hmm. So if you're thinking, well, we should feed the homeless. Right. Well, there's two churches in town that they do a really good job with that and they need help. Mm-hmm. So let's go help them. But mm-hmm. let's not start it a whole thing ourselves. Right. Let's do our four things well. And we have people in our church that go into the prisons yeah. and do prison ministry. Mm-hmm. We don't have a prison ministry. We have people who go help out with the prison ministry. 
That's so, beautiful. So then right. you're not starting all these separate. Right. Yeah. You're supporting right. and partnering. Right. I right. have a, a story to tell you. All. I'm not sure if you'll remember this, but it's a really great example and visual of just how your church does support you and respect the boundaries that you have put up. When we do our adventures in marriage, we did, which we did at uh, mm. Grace and Truth Ministries yeah. uh, earlier this year. Uh, there's a, an exercise that we do, and I don't, you, you know, we don't like to usually tell people the stuff we do, but this, <laughs> that would do it for this one. We do something called the drift exercise. And what we do is we have all the couples line up back to back. So they can't, they're, you know, they're not seeing each other's faces or anything. And we ask a series of questions. And uh, so one question might be, uh, is the cell phone a distraction in your marriage? If so, take four steps forward. Mm -hmm. So those couples will take steps forward, which is really taking steps away from each other, right? right? Mm -hmm. But their backs are turned, so they don't yep. know. Another question is, uh, is work environment or work hours causing problems um, in your marriage? Take three steps forward. Well, you know, after about 10 mm -hmm. questions, then we tell everybody to turn around and look. And I mean, you can hear like an audible gasp each time. It's like, oh, my goodness. Like, how did you get all the way across the room? Right. And it's a great yeah. visual to show how disconnected we are. But here's the thing. 99% of the churches, when we do this, the pastor and his wife are the farthest away from each other. Oh, wow. I've even had one pastor say, jokingly, it's because y'all in the in the middle here, you know, this right. is the reason we can't stay connected because we're always taking care of you. Yeah. At your church when we did it, first time I've ever seen this. I'm not even, I'm not lying. This mm. is the first time I've ever seen this. The, you two, the pastors, were the closest. Oh. You were the most connected. And Kurt, I don't know if you remember, you said, you said, and I mentioned it. I'm like, hold on, everybody. This is amazing. The pastors are the closest. And one of you said, uh, it's because of them. Mm -hmm. And you pointed yeah. around at your members. Just mm -hmm. kind of yeah. reflect on that for me. Yeah, they are very protective of us, um, protective of the amount of work that is on him. Uh, we have one couple that checks in regularly. Like, what do I need to do to help you out? You know, mm -hmm. what do you what do you need me to cover? Um, and they are they know our story, and they do what they can to protect our relationship to make sure that we're good with one another before the church. You know. Yeah. Yeah, and we've we've made sure that everybody understands that we're part of the church mm -hmm. family. Yeah, we're not like nobody calls me pastor. There's one guy that does it, and he knows it because he only does it because he knows it gets on my nerves. <laughs> um, but I don't want I don't want a title. Like I'm just one of you, and God's gifted me to study and teach. Mm. So that's what I'm going to do for our family, and so. They, they just kind of know, like, we're just regular people. We're not on some pedestal and all that. And, you know, I've, tr I've tried to harp on that for the last few years. It's, you know, don't put us, don't put us somewhere it hurts too much to fall off of. Mm -hmm. You know, um, we don't want to be there. We just want to be part of the group. And, uh, so that helps a lot, yeah. but that's a lot easier to do when you're starting from the ground up. Mm -hmm. But, um, but it's, po it's possible. Any, anywhere but. what's it been like for you this time around um, much more peaceful uh, I feel like I can be vulnerable with our members um, I think partly because they know our story uh, but also we're just real with one another within the church so it has been a lot easier this go-round um, 
yeah, they just love on us so well and support us and they're good, good people. Good church. Mm -hmm. That's so good. I'm going to read two last stats uh, before I give you a couple final questions. Um, 75% of pastors, 75% report severe stress causing anguish, anger, fear, and alienation. And finally, 1,500 pastors leave their ministries each month due to burnout, conflict, or moral failure. Um, just with those, what... I know we talked about a lot today, but what what advice do you have for pastors? What advice do you have for pastors' wives? We'll start with you. Okay. Um, I would say connect with either fellow pastors' wives that you can relate to or have a two or three close friends that you can be real and honest with your struggles about. Um, also, counseling marriage counseling if you haven't been through that like is so key so necessary for the amount of stress that you deal with within ministry even though we're a small organization small church there's still some stresses that come with it and we have to make mm -hmm. sure that we're good um just like any other couple in the church yeah. should as well so yeah find those few friends that you can trust and be open and be vulnerable with them yeah that's good how about you kurt Oh, there's so much. Um, well, one thing we were talking about all these statistics. Uh, if you go read that entire study they did, it's so discouraging. Mm -hmm. And you you should come away with why is this true? Mm -hmm. And the common answer, I think the answer I would have had years ago would be, well, it's, you know, people do this and it stresses their pastor out or pastors don't prioritize their marriage. So we put it on, it's all the pastors. Mm -hmm. you know? And sometimes it is. It wasn't my case. Um, but I start to wonder if we got 1500 pastors quitting every month, wouldn't that indicate a systemic problem? Mm. Maybe, maybe we're, we've got the wrong idea of what a pastor is. And I'm just spitballing here. Right. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't have a book to sell you <laughs> with the answer to this question. Uh, but maybe our system is the problem. Yeah. You know, I don't remember who it was. Your system, your system is perfectly designed to get the results you're getting. Mm. So if the results we're getting are this bad, then we got to look at what are we doing? What is the church system that might be causing this? Mm -hmm. Maybe we're putting too much focus on the pastor. Yeah. And, you know, and may maybe we're just working them to death. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, maybe they should do a few things that they're gifted at and not all the other things. Right. Yeah. You know, um, so that that would be one thing is maybe we ought to. But that's, of course, a big, huge problem. How do you fix that? Right. But it's something to think about. But for the pastors individually, I would say this. Um, you are the most at risk mm -hmm. in your church. You uh, you may not realize it. You may think you're a spiritual Superman, um, but you're not. You're a human, and the enemy. You are the enemy's number one target in your church, because I can tell you from our own experience, if he can get your family yeah. out of the picture or some big ugly failure, uh, he can mess up a lot of people in that church. Mm -hmm. People will walk away from the faith because you failed in some way. Mm -hmm. And you trust me, I've got that on my plate. You don't want that. Yeah. Uh, the pain of that takes you a long time mm -hmm. uh, to deal with and it never leaves. 
Um, so you are the most at risk, which means you have to prioritize your marriage. Yeah. You have to. There's this isn't an option <laughs> in the day that we live in now. Not that it wasn't a problem back in Bible days, um, but the way the culture we live in now, your, your marriage is at risk oh, yeah. more than everybody else in your church. So you have to work on it. Yeah. Go to. You know, what we did is we went to live the life and we, we realized really quickly we should have been in live the life's office at least once a month, our entire ministry. Right. And we wouldn't have got where we were. Right. Um, but so that, that would be my, like, that's the simplest thing. Yeah. Start going to marriage counseling. What we, we run into, uh, at, at live the life is most churches don't have a marriage ministry because right. it's just, you know, just another thing to add to the plate, but it's such an important ministry. And then when we do come out and do a class, the pastor doesn't, a lot of times the pastor and the wife don't come. And so speak to that for me. G give me something good on that one. <laughs> You're asking for trouble. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, well, for, for, you know, we did adventures in marriage at, at Grace and Truth. And uh, the room was full. Mm -hmm. And and part of that was they knew we're doing this. Mm -hmm. Y'all can come hang out and do it with us or you can not. But we're doing it. We've done it twice already mm -hmm. and we're doing it again. And um, but I would say if you're if you're a pastor and you're going to get this happening in your church and then you don't show up for it, how can you expect your people to do something you won't do? Mm -hmm. That's like saying you all need to give to the ministry, but you don't give anything. Or mm -hmm. You all need to show up every Sunday, but you only show up once a month. Mm -hmm. I mean, in any other area, we would say that doesn't make sense. But in this one, somehow we justify it. And if, if the problem is, well, if we show up at the Adventures in Marriage class, people are going to think there's a problem. You got to get over that. Right. Yeah. You're a human. You got problems. Mm -hmm. Whether people think that or not doesn't matter. Um. The issue is, do you want to stay in ministry and finish well, or do you want to fail? Because mm. without working on your marriage, you will fail. Right. It's 100%. You will fail if you don't work on your marriage. That's right. And if you don't fail your church, the other thing that will happen, let's say your ministry goes on just fine and you're super successful, your kids are more important than the people sitting in your church. Mm -hmm. And your kids might not survive mm -hmm. your household mm -hmm. because you love the church more than you loved your home. Right. I did that. Yeah. I love building the church more than I loved being at home. And um, had had the, our story not played out the way that it did, I may I would probably right now still be angry, stressed out, but super successful mm. and my kids wouldn't like me mm. wow. and there's definitely wouldn't like the church. Right. So that's what's at stake. I mean, I don't know why you would have a marriage class and not show up for it. That doesn't make any sense to me, <laughs> yeah. but um, I don't want to be confrontational. <laughs> well, hey, saying. you're a straight shooter. And, and you know what? On this topic, you, you kind of have to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, I needed somebody, I needed someone to shake me out of it mm -hmm. because I didn't, I, you couldn't have, come, I, I knew I had a marriage problem. I'd been trying to tell her we had a problem. She just didn't know how to handle that. And I didn't know how to handle how she handled it. Mm -hmm. I just thought she didn't care. Uh, she cared. She just didn't know what to do. And she had nobody to talk to about it. Mm -hmm. 
you know, except me. And I'm the guy saying you're the problem, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. so, um, so I, 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 I get how it's difficult, but the bottom line is you're a human and you need help. Yeah. And, and there is help. There's yeah. really good help. <laughs> Really good help. I think yeah. it's safe to say with your marriage being healthier and your family being healthier that you're just so much more effective uh, as being, I don't want to say pastors, but, up. you know, leaders, uh, teachers in yeah. your church. Yeah. I actually love people now. Mm. And uh, <laughs> you would think, well, didn't you love people before? And how things are now and looking back, no, I used people before mm -hmm. to get where I wanted to get in my ministry now i actually love these people mm. and i want the best for them and they can show up i'm a schedule guy and uh but you can show up and interrupt my schedule and i will enjoy it because i know i'm loving you right mm. now i'm helping you with something and that's more important than this greek word i was digging really deep on or whatever um so you know just the other day i spent two hours with a guy um, who's losing his job at the mill. Mm. He just wanted to come by and he's like, man, I think God's trying to tell me some things and I don't know whether it's me or him and how do I manage that? And I just hung out with him for a couple hours. Now, on paper, I didn't have time mm -hmm. for that. But if you don't have time to love people, what are you even in this for? Right. That's you know? it. That's it. Um, but, but that's the difference this makes when you go figure out you don't have to figure it out. You just go to live the life mm -hmm. <laughs> and they will guide you to a better place in your home. And then you have something you can offer to somebody else. Mm -hmm. You can actually help somebody else. Amen. Well, I thank you so much. You, I just love talking with both of you. You're so, you're so transparent and uh, real. Like I said, <laughs> you tell it like it is. And um, you're, you know, just you've shared your testimony so well and uh, I just want to thank you for that and just look forward to seeing what God continues to do at Grace and Truth Ministries and in your and in your home and your family so thank you so much for your time and um, if you're a pastor or if you're a member of a church or uh, and want to learn more you can go to live the life.org look on there you can search under Tallahassee uh, we have about eight more months of being able to do free uh, marriage classes we're also going to be offering hope weekends to which is uh, an, another program that we do for pastors and their entire married staff uh, which would be hugely beneficial so we would love for you to check us out at livethelife.org and again thank you all so much and uh, thank you all for listening you all have a blessed day